Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking about on-farm technologies and where they're at today. In our spotlight, we'll look at corn and soybean production records. Ag History Minute, we'll talk about the Wisconsin corn checkoff. And our cool beans that's corny, we'll wrap things up with some current events. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey guys. Max Garvey. What's up everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. Let's play off football. Packers had the, the first week off. Now they face the San Francisco 49ers, the bane of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers both. So they're both mad because they didn't get drafted by him. Oh. A-Rod's 0-3 in the playoffs against him. Yeah, not, not a great look right there. And not close a couple times. These teams are so different, though. Oh, 100%. Compared to the teams that we were trying to beat them with, these teams are so, And I their feel, team is different. I feel right. like roles reversed of, like, Packers two years ago when we lost to the Niners. That team, the Niners were a better team yeah. than our team. Like, we have more talent now. We are that team. It's just hopefully we can make that work. It's at Lambeau. That'll be good instead of at Candlestick. Well, it's not Candlestick anymore. What's it in? Uh, yeah, I don't even know what the Levi's. 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 Jimmy Garoppolo has never started a game below 32 degrees. I heard below 40. They said, I, the saw, I, think, I saw. I saw 32 on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. Anyway. Is he, he even going to start? Uh, they were talking that it was possible he may not even he's start. He's going to start, I think. I can't imagine he doesn't. Yeah, he playoff will. game. Yeah. I mean, they're not, there's nothing to save him for if they. I, anyway, 32 degrees, 40, 32, either one. It's like projected to be five with 16 mile an hour winds, so a wind chill down to like negative 10, 12. Right, and it's a it's only going to get colder through the game because it's a night game. So I feel like seven. As so. the game's getting closer too, they keep just moving that needle down. <laughs> so, like. so when I went a couple weeks ago, the clo- I was excited to go to the coldest game at Lambeau because they said that was a possibility. Yeah, we we're going to touch the coldest game, and it, as we got closer, it kept getting warmer. Warner, and warmer. Yep. It's going the complete other way, like. Every day it gets a little bit colder. Yeah, we're going to extend this cold streak a little bit. It's going to be a little colder. Do you colder. think that's the weatherman playing coy, though? I don't I, I mean, mean, it's January. I get it. It's much different. My AccuWeather is saying the same, same thing, thing on my phone, so sure. I, it's, there's got to be some truth to it, right? Got your three pairs of long underwear ready, Bill? Yep. Are you going? I'm going. Ooh. I'm going. I'm going to do some pre-gating, so hopefully that'll keep me a little warm. Yeah, they they were doing the thing on the news this morning about how that's not the way to stay warm. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The yeah. news story they do every year for the yeah. playoffs. It makes you feel warm, though. Yeah. Dehydrate, too. Yeah. Don't. Matt, were you pre-gating yeah. this morning? Or? Yeah. Drop, dropping water bottles. I do, I, My do, bad. I do have to take a little, you know, open look behind the veil. Is that what you would say? For all our listeners out there. Normally, when we start the podcast, we have, like, a couple things that are going on that we would like to talk about. Today, uh, the podcast was written, and the couple things we like to talk about before we get into our topic, there was only one thing to write, and it was Pack vs. Niners. There yeah. was no debate. No debate. There was, we don't need to put anything else in. We just This is what we're going to talk about. This is the most important thing in the world right now. Do you think it's the... Uh, like I feel like everybody nationally is like fawning over the 49ers. Do you think it's just like because they played last week and beat the Cowboys and we didn't play, so it's like... Oh, they're better than us. Recency bias. Yeah, Whoever has put them on the field most for. recent. Yeah. yeah. I think every I think there's some there were some unrealistic expectations on the Cowboys. You guys gotta remember Mike McCarthy was still their coach. <laughs> 
He, did, he, he was still, coached he, exactly how he coached he, us. He Mike like, McCarthy the crap out of it. Yeah. yeah. Down by a touchdown with 20 seconds left. Quarterback dropped the middle. I mean, just. It was a smart play, <laughs> but don't run for 16 yards. Run for nine. And then, like, I was reading a thing yesterday. The Packers practiced the line on that play. Like, when you have to spike it like that, they actually practice spacing of the linemen to make sure that the ref can get through. Like, if you notice, the ref couldn't ref even couldn't get, get through. He knocked him over. Yeah, he's, like, like bumping so into everybody. Was, like, so that's, that was even a bigger thing, I think, of all of it is, like, let the dude do his job. And that's what I, that's what I mean by Mike McCarthy did Mike McCarthy things. So at, towards the end of his tenure with Green Bay, yes, he won a Super Bowl here. It's great, whatever. But the end of his tenure here, it wasn't just that the play calling sucked. They were disorganized, yeah. disgruntled. Nothing seemed to go the way it should. And he went to Dallas, and when they played bad teams with a really talented team, they looked great. When a push came to shove and they had to be organized and have their, their ducks in a row, they couldn't do it. And that's exactly why he's not in Green Bay anymore. Dak deserves some credit for it, though, too. You can, if you watch the replay, you can tell he thought about pulling up sooner and shook it off and ran. It's true. So if, had but he done that... five yards, ooh. Instead of taking, you know, what's what's a thirty yard pass versus a twenty five yard pass, you know, yeah, the playbook doesn't open up that much. No, there's no no major difference. And I've heard four different guys locally and nationally say sixteen seconds is that like for that call right there, you need sixteen seconds, and they had fourteen. Yeah, Shannon Sharp says eighteen. That's the wow. It's even more his his thing because I watched the undisputed between him and Skip Bayless. Both agreed it was a bonehead move. Skip. Oh yeah, and he's oh, really? a cowboy. Did they like each other. The it was whole time? no. It was the one time. Like it was amazing to see them agreeing. Well, yeah, because usually they do. Yeah, pick usually the other side. Yeah, so controversial. Who can yeah. yell? Who can yell the louder is right. And he's like on their team. He would have been Broncos. It was 18 seconds. We knew that in 18 seconds you could get to the line, spike the ball, or if we needed to get to the line and the guys that get the field goal unit on. And run off without spiking the ball. It was 18 seconds. Wow. Anything less than that, you're cutting it way too close. And way too close is not worth. You no. don't even got a shot. shot. That yep. right. They, you know, you can't even take your shot. So that's got to feel hard to be a Dallas fan right now, where it, you just didn't even get the chance. You it, probably wouldn't have gotten it anyway, but you didn't get that chance. And maybe it's like I'm nervous. Like for some reason, I'm nervous about this game. I it sounds like Max, you aren't, aren't at all. But I got to remember that the 49ers still almost blew it. Like, they were had fourth and inches, and the Trent Williams guy wasn't set, and dumbass Garoppolo hiked it. They got the first down, but there was a penalty, so they had to punt it away. They would have ended the game right there, and we wouldn't even be talking about this bonehead play by the Cowboys. And, and the other thing to remember is they were up 17-0 to at one point. Yeah. And they, they almost let a comeback happen. Now... Playing, they were playing in Dallas in the in the Jerry Bowl in the Jerry Stadium, whatever. Jerry Dome, yeah. Jerry, Jerry Dome World, World. Okay, Jerry World, Jerry World against a team that's good and they're fine, they're talented, whatever. Now imagine you have, you have a seventeen nothing lead at halftime, but Aaron Rodgers, AJ Dillon, and Aaron Jones are coming out of the locker room. It's going to be really hard to hold. AJ Dillon is going to be tough to yeah. tackle on Saturday. Yeah. That is going to be no fun for anyone. Yeah, they. The last game they did play, they were up 17 nothing, and they gave that cheap touchdown at the end of the half. And then yep. I think they came out again, and the 49ers scored at the end of the half. So they kind of did some of that. But I think 
you're right, Max. This game goes differently in, in like five degrees with whatever windshield we got. Their, I, their biggest advantages are Bosa and Kittle. That's it's and not, Bosa's not it's 100%. It's not like Jimmy G is a big time no threat. No. It's, and it's Bosa and Kittle. Make I, Jimmy G throw the ball. I'd I'd as long as it's not to Kittle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can't cover. I would, tight ends. I'll still take my chan- my chances of that him throwing it to Kittle. So what if Kittle goes absolutely insane? He can have 200 yards and two touchdowns. It's 14 points. Who cares? And they're not running. Like if Debo does it and they're running the ball to get those 14 points, that's a different story because they're going to chew the clock and Rodgers is going to be on the bench. If Kittle does it, they're not chewing the clock running the ball like that. Right. So I don't, I don't, to me, if Kittle gets his, that's fine. We can't, Debo can't get his. And uh, I don't even know who their running back is now. Committee. Well, basically him. Yeah. Yeah. Debo is pretty much it. There's yeah. another guy that's got 1,000 yards, but. Anyway, what I do think is good, though, is somebody asked me this week, like, is this home field weather thing a big deal? And I think for me it is because the Packers could practice in it all week. And the 49ers, they got to show up Sunday. And Do they fly in on Friday or Saturday? Friday, right? Maybe, yeah. I mean, imagine how cold it is today on Friday yeah. coming in to the, like, you get out and you, I mean, for us, it's cold and we're used to it. Yeah. Right. Like, you get out of that. I mean, you don't get out of the plane anymore and walk into it. Well, those guys might because it's private jets. Yeah, but private anyway, jet. They get off the plane. They and get they, off yeah. and they, like, feel that. They're going to just, just, like, how do you even know how to operate? You know, like, they just, and that's got to be, and all their benches are heated, all that. I mean, they've but, got all the amenities, but it's, it's just different. If the Packers can start fast and then your buddy A.J. Dillon comes, they, but they're they gonna, won't. They ain't gonna start fast. This is gonna be gonna like fold. that Seattle playoff game where we go down fourteen nothing, and you just gotta fight back. I, that's gonna be a game like that because they're gonna have some rust. They gotta kick off. Yeah, they got. You well, know, I they, don't know. They're gonna have rust I'm because they've been. The rust. They've been I'm not buying the rust. They've been sitting for two weeks, and they're bringing back all these guys. So I think it's gonna be. And when I say rust, I mean one or two series to just sort of get that shake. See, I'm not in on rust. I'm in on clunky. Yeah, clunky. But I'm not in on rust. <laughs> Clunky, I think, because I think everybody's going to be really excited for Randall Cobb to play. Yeah, and we're, we're going to be force-feeding him the ball. I'm a little nervous that we're going to start forcing the ball around. Because yeah, Rodgers ain't like that. <laughs> I don't know. Of course, it's the we're, ex- yeah. we're pretty excited to have it. I mean, the stuff that was coming out yesterday, we're pretty excited to have yeah. Randall Cobb playing. So I'm a little nervous. And and I don't know. Zadarius doesn't sound like he's going to play. Is going to play. I think he'll play. Kay. 20 stamps, maybe. Uh, yeah, he'll be on a stamp. Jair Alexander, is he going to play? Sounds that way. Okay, so here's my thing. Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander. Really good, right? All pro corner, whatever. We had a, we had a secondary that was meshing and doing a yeah. good job. And even an all pro corner, that's a new voice, that's a new person, that's new communication, and yep. that, that makes me more scared than anything. Correct. Yep. It sounds like MVS is pretty much not going to play, and Bakhtiari is like, no one really knows. Like, he's been so... The thing is, is we're not hurting for these guys. No. If we were dying for Bakhtiari, he's playing. Yeah. N- not at all in my mind. We don't, we're fine. We're, to- we're good. We're so good. Yeah, with Bosa, though. That's it, the thing. It changes. And but, that line rushes forward. But Bosa didn't Niners have a sack line, the first time we played him. Yeah, they didn't have Bosa, though. Yeah, he did. No, no, no they, he, didn't. He didn't. they didn't. They right. didn't. Yep, so, he wasn't there. It was so. T.J. Watt was who they shut down. Yep. Yeah. Beat. Bosa w- gets in Rogers' face. Yeah. You know, the every one time thing, they play each other. It seems. The one thing does though having Bakhtiari does is it moves Patrick to right guard, and then 
he's probably an upgrade from Newman. So it just like it trickles down a little bit. So that might help us. Well, it gets us more guys who have experience right. to play, right? Right. But Max, we got to listen to you because we got Max Rodamic predict Max Rodamis prediction that came through when the Packers back in November beat the Cardinals. Max said this, so I'm going to play this. Uh, this is an audio file from our Fantasy Accordingly Results episode. Maybe. Yeah, it's not wanting to work. Come on, buddy. You can do it. Massage it. It says it's playing. It's not playing. Because I said the Packers are going to win. And then Max says if the Cardinals lose... They're gonna tank. They're just they're gonna go the opposite way. They're just done, and they lost. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. See what happens. I think, How much tank? I think the writing's on the wall already. Just what you saw last night. Like their offense was not very good. Their defense was really not very good when they needed them to be. And you saw, you know, now JJ Watt's gone. Hopkins is hurt. Kyler Murray's hurt. And they're. That Zabin Collins, their stud rookie linebacker, went out early. I don't know if he came back or not. But. So, the, like, you see, you, they're in position for the wheels to really fall off, which is kind of what I thought would happen if they lost one game. I didn't, I didn't think they were necessarily. Uh... Did J.J. Watt even play? I heard he was activated last week when they had well, the I didn't playoffs. see him out in the I don't field. Think so. I didn't hear anything about it. And they got destroyed. So, yeah, that was Cardinals-Rams, and the Rams just. I mean, it was just destroyed. Or the Cardinals. They were 7-0 and when they played the Packers, yep. and they ended the season. They played after that. They were 3-5. and five. Uh, Does that add up? Yeah, yeah, because they were – Colt McCoy went 2-1, and one, and then Murray won one game after he came back and lost all the rest. So, so they made the playoffs, but that was only because they – Well, had you started with seven wins. Right. They, they were that team that did enough early to, to skate into the playoffs. Would you say their wheels fell off? I I would, but that was my prediction. So obviously I do. Oh, that's, I think it was yes. pretty spot on. Man. Fit the narrative. Yeah. Anything to fit the narrative, right? <laughs> no, I I mean, I thought like I said, a bunch of young guys not used to winning for the most part, and a couple old guys who are hurt all the time. That was the team, and that's it gets gets really it's really easy to win when you're winning. It's really hard to lose when you're losing. If anything, they should have gave Colt McCoy more of a shot. Yeah, more Colt McCoy, please. All right, you guys ready to get into this today? Yes. All right, so technology, man versus machine. Or, well, not needing a man in a machine in some cases. So, Max, what do you got for us this week? Yeah, so I kind of wanted to give you guys an opportunity to sound off here on some of of this technology, right? So this new tech is is coming into our marketplace on a daily basis. I mean, it's a pretty steady clip of these new new machines that are going to be the best thing ever. And I wanted to kind of talk about where they are at this point and how we feel their usefulness for on-farm applications is. So not in two years, it'll be awesome. If we had to have one today, how do we feel about it? And that's kind of where we're kind of where we're trying to look at the end. We will talk a little bit about the future and some of that stuff, but just, I kind of picked out some of these big ones that are here now and, that we see a lot of or talk a lot about those kinds of things. And we'll just kind of let you guys give your opinion and, and say if you, you, at the end, I just like to hear if you're in on that machine right now or out. So that's kind of where we're going. So uh, the first one we're going to do is autonomous tractors. Uh, you know, John Deere released theirs last week, two weeks ago at the at CES. At yeah. CES. So um, autonomous tractors, right? Tractor drives itself. We don't need guys in there. 
I'm sure they're a billion and a half dollars, all that stuff. Are you guys in or out on the autonomous tractor if if we had to have that one from John Deere that they debuted today? Billion and a half, I'm out. Yeah. Well, I don't know how expensive they're going to be. Especially with fertilizer mixes. I don't know how expensive they're going to be, but they're going to be a lot. I think the the unique situation they're in is it's a kind of an either-or system right now. Like, you can have somebody in it. It's not it's not like the cabless ones we've seen other places because they did some local testing with this program with a custom harvest crew last fall and so you could have a guy in there but if you didn't have the guy you could switch it over to where basically is that a grain cart situation yeah it was kind of like the grain cart thing where somebody can control it um or uh you know so it's not a it's not an all-out full out fully has to be autonomous type deal I, I, not yet anyway the way it looks i don't know if that's better i agree matt we're going to kind of have these stepwise and i think it's going to first be basically that something that you know say you're doing tillage and you got the autonomous tractor next to you basically doing more tillage you know where it's kind of following you and we got to look at how these are going to replace us and if you guys remember back to one of the early episodes, we talked about this and how horses replaced or tractors replaced horses mm. and that whole change in the early 1900s. And you talked to farmers then and we had some old, like old, you know, it was, it wasn't sound bites. It was quotes from them saying like, I would never replace horses with tractors. I love horses too much. Right. Would never happen. And one thing with that change is obviously tractors got way better. Like it took, Basically, it could yeah, replace, well, yeah. you know, one tractor could replace 20 horses. Right, right, well, right. The one-to-one thing I, wasn't going to sell it. it right. Was, yeah. And so, and, and tractors have gotten bigger and all that. And I think we're going to see in this autonomous world is that actually they're going to go the other way, that they're going to get smaller and you're going to have fleets of them potentially and be able to operate that way. And it's going to kind of be like Matt said too, these early ones, if they can work in tandem with people and then slowly, you know, somewhat replace it but you're still going to need a person it's just you might need less people or or that or that'll be the replacement and the odd part would be is the horsepower part is like we said when we replace horses it was much better stronger could be in the field longer than horses these it's going to be can be in the field longer than a human that's going to be the sure it can work right. 24 well, hours a day well it's like auto steer where it was I, right. it wasn't that you didn't have to be in the tractor, but it was easing the fatigue of the driver. Well, now we're in the next step of now you're controlling, you know, two tractors, three tractors, but and, you don't and, have to do as much. And in this age of labor and everyone's struggling to find labor and good labor, it's a big thing. Like I know a couple, you know, like Max, you're going to talk about a couple other things that kind of reduce labor here and our, our technology here. But I think that's huge as Everywhere you go, there's help wanted signs, and I think just the amount of people available is isn't there right now. So having these other options available is is good. So time to buy buy the latest farming simulator game. Except <laughs> it's probably how you're going to be farming in a few years. Okay, some so, mouse clicks. So Todd, are you in? Are you buying one? I, I'm I'm out on Bill. Current, uh, on right now, I'm out. I'm out. Matt. I wouldn't buy one, no. Trial one, maybe. I'm also out. I think they'd be cool for about six hours, and then I think you'd be kind of like, okay, we'll try again in a couple of years. And we're talking about today. so I, I think, too, this is going to be, it, with the horse thing, too, it wasn't like the tractor came out and it was replaced. It was a 40-year transition right. to replace horses. This is going to be 
a 40 to 50 year transition that probably started, you know, today or five years ago. So right. I think, and let's be real, what do farmers like to do? Drive tractor. Like that's <laughs> what they like to do. So you got to find a way to replace, you know, it's not like a robot vacuum. Nobody likes to vacuum. So that what? replaces it easily. And a robot, what you know, we're replacing something that farmers like to do. So it's going to take a long time. It's going to have to be, you know, done the right way. And, and that, that's why right now, if you had to ask me, I'd be, I'd be on the out. So the next thing we're going to talk about is something that I don't think people like to do as much, and that's herbicide applications. So we're going to talk about the, the we're talking about the green seeking sprayers. That's how I coined it. Those that, the ones that identify the weeds and spray them. Correct. Yep. The ones that, you know, so instead of applicating a whole field, there's sensors on the spray bar and it picks up weeds, applies there. And then if you go a streak where there's no weeds, it stops applying out of that nozzle. Um, this green seeker is a nitrogen application sensor. So. Yeah. I, I kind of, I knew that, but I just kind of was trying to come up with an easy way to, to put this in a bow. I didn't want to use a trade name or anything. So I tried to make it easy. Anyway, the weed seeker, the weed seeker. So, so the big plus side is lower application rates i mean you should save money right it potentially wouldn't be a lower rate it would be a lower amount over the whole field but you could actually put a higher rate on that particular weed and stuff i i think it it's a game changer for us in the in the way of how we do herbicide programs and maybe you put a three-quarter rate of a pre-emerge down and then with roundup being as expensive as it is you could kind of have that post application where you have that one where you're like "Ah, i don't know it doesn't really need it but there's weeds out there and it could use it um and you come back with a technology like this to clean it up yeah well i'd be relying on if you're going to spot spray having the equipment help you rather than having to flip switches on well, and off how, like oh there they are yeah spot how, many, spray. how many conversations have you all had about spot spraying and <laughs> right. they, they get done and you're like i should have i don't spray. have sprayed them. the whole field i don't have them. right you just sprayed the whole field because you end up doing it anyway i refuse i refuse i just there's this it's such a disaster every time i do it that yeah. it, i just refuse we don't even i don't even entertain the idea anymore because it just you either miss something because you couldn't turn it on fast enough or they get done, they say, well, I just sprayed the whole field anyway. Why didn't you just tell me to do that in the first place? So you just kind of stop having this. So this could be the replacement to that, I guess. I, I'm i going to say that right now, the way it stands, I'm in. I'm in if it's laser beams, like all the commercials when they talk about this kind of technology. <laughs> laser beams. Lasers. I want sharks with lasers. Yeah, I'd no. like to see the field afterwards to see how well it actually did. I think I'm in. Lasers or not, I think I'm in. If the technology works, I mean, I just struggle sometimes of like the speed you're going and can it, how, you know, how does it pressurize all that to kind of get those bursts out? And if it can do it for sure, I'm in. That'd be great. All right. Um, the next one we're going to go to is milking robots. So this is something that we have had. I mean, this has been around for a little while. I do think we're in a pretty good place with these. Um, a lot of successful stories, a couple unsuccessful stories in the area. Um, milking robots. I'm not even. I'm not even going to spend a whole lot of time talking and explaining what they are. I'm in. They work. In. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. There's. I mean, there's math, right, to it. But <laughs> you, you can't just go. Oh, we bought two robots. We're still going to milk 400 cows on two robots, right? That's not how it works. No, but they're the guy's not going to going to ask you how big your herd is and if you're. When you're buying them, they're not just going to give you a robot. Right. No. I'm in because of the generation that most of these are at, too. They're generation two or three. 
and they are much better than the previous every time. So if you think of some of these technologies, we're only in generation one of that technology. These This is like third generation. Like some of these are already pretty well, dang good and impressive in what they can do and you know the amount of milk per quarter in a cow, weigh the cow, all that stuff is good. Probably the hardest part yet is just they kind of got to have that treat to get them into the robot. So having that where they... And I bet you after a while the treat isn't a big deal either. Like they want probably to not, right? Right. It's like anything with animals. It's, you yeah. train them, if, whether you're in your parlor or stanchion barn, you know, you always have those ones that know right where their spot is. And they go, and yep. there's the one that, well, I had this spot two years ago. I'm, I want this one back, please. And they got to chase them out and put them where they, they are otherwise. So, yeah, it all comes down to the how well the animals train, and then you sell those that don't off and... So we're all in on the milking robots. I'm not really surprised by that. So I yeah. wanted to have one layup in there that you, everybody would be all for. Um, the next thing is, air, so I kind of broke these into two categories. So the first one is the aerial imaging drones. So just drones that do imaging, nothing else, right? Whether it's, um, the, what, is, what, is the, what is the color scale they use? NDVI. The NDVI? Yeah, there you go. NDVI. That's the word I was trying to call. But whether it's NDVI or you're just using it and taking regular old color photos and looking at it, whatever whatever you, kind of imaging you want to put on this drone, how do we feel about the aerial imaging drones? Are we Do they do a good enough job? Do they miss things? Do they... I mean, everything misses something, but is are the blind spots big enough that we can say we don't like them? They're a good tool. Great tool, especially to get a different perspective. Almost, I call it like the silo view. Is farmers back in the day when I first started would climb the silo. I don't think and, it's back in the day. I think they well, still yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, climb, yeah, still doing climb the silo and be like, "Hey, you never looked back in that corner. There's something going on." So for us, it's a great technology just to get up in the air, get a different perspective, and then know where to put the boots on the ground to look at something. Otherwise, it's you're not really doing a very good job scouting. You're just aimlessly walking. So I think that part of it, it really been good. I, Honestly, when these first came out 10 years ago, longer than that, we thought, remember, Bill, at all the, how oh, much yeah. new companies and what they were going to change. We were going to have like two and, employees and I, right. we're going to have 10. Basically, you're just going to fly drones and that's all you were going to do. You weren't going to scout anymore. You weren't going to need <laughs> scouts. And, and we're just going to do that, right? That's what they said. Yeah. And maybe that'll come in the future, but that has not come to fruition now. No, but I mean, it's been a very good technology. It's, it's equivalent of the sweep net or the soil probe. It's in targeted scouting now instead yes. of, you know, you look at, okay, something looks funky over there. Let's go check it out. Or oh, I can't really see anything that needs to be addressed, so I'm just going to walk a section here. And I think I'm in on the technology out on the sales pitch, right? Yeah, that's I'm, a good way I'm, to put it. I think the technology has its place. I think it's worth the money that, you know, that we, we spend on it. What I don't buy is the, well, you just fly the drone and then you never have to walk in the field. That part of it is not accurate. In, in the back end for me, and Matt, you've probably had the most experience out of the four of us sitting here with flying drones and the back end of it, like just processing the images and the video and all that in the back end is so cumbersome. Right. It's not like you're just watching. I mean, at least from the early drones to now, oh, it's way you better, can yeah. see in real time versus having to fly it and sit down, pull an SD card. Yeah. And then watch the video over again, like spending basically twice the time. Even even regulation has changed too. That and it's still okay. We could still. Be, but Matt, remember that first one? We'd fly it. You were you were at like four thousand feet. 
weren't you? Uh, like a thousand feet. Yeah, it was, uh, it was I don't know that. I don't know that. We well, what's the 4, the rule is is four hundred now? Four hundred is yep. your limit. Yep. You know, so this was pre like that pre rule drone law. And, uh, and, and so like we're just the way we operated them was a little different. And now, now we're well, and the cameras have changed. Oh, yeah, the fish eye and all yeah. that stuff. And yeah, it was way different Those ten years ago compared way to, different. to now. Yeah. But yeah. So we're all in on the aerial imaging drone. Yeah, well, yeah, we're in. we all have them. We all have so them. Yeah, so I know. Yeah. It's <laughs> going to be hard for us it? to be out because we we own them. But what you said's right. The sales pitch sometimes is a little bit much for where that technology actually is. So as this gets more refined and cheaper in certain aspects, it'll become a lot more available, and we'll use it, you know, more sparing for more specific things to help us do corn populations and do all that kind of stuff. Okay. So the next one, applicator drones. Now, I, I got to see these firsthand this year, so I have a very strong opinion on them. Um, but, you know, any any kind of application you want to do, whether it's fungicide, herbicide, insecticide, um, you know, they, they can do it. Um, they're slow, they're small, they're time-consuming, and they're expensive. Yeah, I mean, trying to replace, especially for herbicide application, and 180-foot boom with a... Even a, the bigger drones, like a six-foot drone, it's just not going to happen. Max, do you think, like you just told us all the negative things, do you think that, so what are we going to replace? Are we going to replace the aerial applicator that does fungicide in August? Do you think, if, if that's the case, can the drone do a better job flying at whatever speed it is, 100 miles an hour or 50 miles, whatever that speed is at two feet above the crop versus an airplane that flies at 300 miles an hour at 30 feet above the crop that, you know, that I'm wondering if these applicator drones will at some point be able to do a better job. I, I think we're a long, long, long ways away from these applicator drones being even equivalent as far as time and money sure. versus efficacy. Right, yeah. we are willing to sacrifice a little bit of efficacy to be able to get the fungicide on you in get two days. Done. I mean, that's you're you're going to have just a highly specialized thing where there's something they can do, like seeding a grass waterway. I know, not to pee on Todd's dream, but he always wanted to I have a drone seed cover crop or something when it was flying over and like a grass waterway. Yeah, that would probably work to go through and drop seed over that, but. Scale white, it just Matt, doesn't scale. Matt, Matt is right. I've done the math too many times, and the payload of these is just not good enough yet. So until either the battery technology gets that much better, which it is, or you know you throw a little two cycle motor on one and make it. Kinda, these are going to be the size it's, of cars, right? They're not well, going to be some the of them size. Are, some of them are, you know, like well, some of the, the ones size in of Japan cars are is, like that. But it's funny too because. They're really, they seem really big because they have to put the blades further apart, but their payload doesn't go up near as much as the... Right. They grow, they get bigger without gaining payload. It's the, the it's law not of diminishing return. And there too, so Bill, then you're not really... Carry. Then it's might as well just be a helicopter. Right. You know, like, Correct. Ba- yeah. I mean, what's the difference then if you have a man in it or you're not a man in it, really? So, so Or they make them where there's just, you know, like a fleet of them where you're, one person's controlling four of them and they're filling them, but... Even that, the, the so payload. Or like just, the Super Bowl where you had 30. Didn't they have a halftime show where there was 30 of them? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But again, then you're investing in how, many, how right. much per drone Correct. to cover just one field. You'd probably need several. 
So an airplane can do how many acres in a day? A thousand, no problem. You probably a airplane lot. could probably do five thousand. Yeah, they I mean, can they can do a lot. Do you know how many drones it would take to do five thousand <laughs> acres of fungicide in a day? Oh, probably five thousand drones. <laughs> now, if they could refill themselves, refuel themselves, uh, and you could just let them go all day every day, then yeah, sure, that might be feasible. But so at this point, I'm going to say I'm a hundred percent out on the applicator drone. If I had to use one today, I have no use for it right now. Me too. I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. Other than, like I said, a specialized, there may be some situation you might be able to I, use it for. But I'm out in that the current technology is is working, and this cannot replace that yet. So, okay, so this obviously wasn't an all-inclusive list, right? There's so many things that just kind of pop up. But these are some of the big things or some of the cooler things that we've, we have talked about before and we'll continue to talk about in the future, I'm sure. Um I guess if you guys have any piece, any of these things that you think have reached max potential or, or any things that you're the most excited to see them grow and what they're going to turn into. I personally think that we have seen the max potential of the milking robots. Like, we're not going to make huge gains on those anymore from where we got to. Oh, right? I, dude, I think you're you think way so? wrong. Like, you I think, think so? we've... Those are just in... In cost and speed, and, and what if they start gonna, dropping? I'm sure they are already, but what if you drop these on a rotary versus like a pilot? They, yeah, they like do. Like it's just the cost is so yeah. much. But yeah, yeah, no one they they make a rotary with you them. Can't, so you I, can't I just make milk the, come out any faster. I mean, it only they're not going to get that much faster. Cow only gives milk so fast. Yeah, I I just think and the cost coming down. I guess the well, cost can come down, but more so in that our barns are being designed now for these robots and how you know, cattle flows and all that. And I guess we've got a lot to, to change, you know, versus the old red barn. That was, that technology was specific to milk that way. We're going to have things that are specific. I, get, to milk. I don't really have a choice on things that I think are maxing out other I, than the milking robot, you're right. because I don't, you're right. That the rest of it I said I'm out on because they yeah. haven't reached. I think the, if you take it as an, the automated barn idea, that has a lot of room to grow. I've got a, one farm with a calf barn now where, Calves Ooh. feed themselves. Milk yeah. gets pumped right over into a pasteurizer. Like it's, it's expanding into other aspects of the operation. They've got a chip on their collar, right? That yep. So be, they'll only be fed so many times yeah, a day. Yeah, eaten in so many hours. It, yep. They'll let them well, suck if if they have. Then they shut it off. Yeah. And so the laser can get more precise on the automated milker, right? We could get more I, precise lasers, right? That's an improvement that could be made yet, but that's not going to change. That's not going to be this groundbreaking thing. The laser right. is 20% You're, more effective. We, we've kind of reached the major milestone in this in the automated milker by itself uh, to me. Like the, the one that I'm most excited to see grow or that I'd really like it if it would work would probably be the applicator drones. I would love it if they would work. I just I don't know that they're going to. The math just is really hard to make work. Like you said, Todd, you've done the math 100 times and just is really hard to make it happen right. right so i think I mean, mine is if we look like what are we looking 20 years down the road whatever you want to talk i'm about. going to look 20 years down the road and think that if if this autonomous tractor thing goes like just thinking about how hard it is to get help with driving grain carts and chopper boxes and all that stuff if we can get it to go and you can get your chopping crew down to two guys or whatever that is that could be a big game changer for a lot of people. Yeah. 
Well, I think, like Todd said before, is a lot of guys like to drive tractors, but there's guys that are cattle guys, too, that would probably like to do less in the field if they could. And, and right. So I, there's, there's I think this has a very good opening to help, like, just to help farmers in general and not... Th- this idea, well, we're going to replace them. Like, no, we're never going to replace the farmer ever. You're going to need a person to manage these to do that. And so that idea is just, like Max said, the sales pitch. I don't like the sales pitch of this one either. I think that I would agree with all you guys that that's, for me, it's the autonomous tractors. I think those have such a, that's going to revolutionize our industry and how we farm and that you're you know you're still going to spend a lot of hours in that seat driving tractor but you're going to have less hours because you're going to have another tractor there that is autonomous doing well, some of the work and think about like i had one one farmer tell me that his chiropractor told him the worst thing that ever happened to the farmer is lights on a tractor because <laughs> you could go at night because you go at night well think about now like you said todd you know a horse had a had to stop at some point right and we went to tractors but then there was somebody on the tractor to drive that tractor that had to stop at some point. Well, now you have this autonomous thing that as long as you keep it fueled, it's going. It's going. And you can go at 3 in the morning and that farmer's not nodding off and going crooked or whatever. You know, I guess with auto steer, you're not going crooked at 3 <laughs> in the morning anymore that you were before. But I, I will say, you know, Todd, you said, you know, farmers like to be in the tractor. I'm not afraid to admit that my generation that's starting to take over these farms we like to go out for a fish fry on Friday. Right. We don't want to be in the tractors. I mean, there's plenty of guys my age who really just want to work 24-7. There's plenty of them that don't, too, right? And I hear it from the old guys. You kids, you don't even know how to work. You guys want to take off for a fish fry on Friday and go to the lake on Saturday. That's not how it works. Well, that's changing, right? That's that's, that's what that's what people my age, that's how farming is, is starting to be. They Their wife works off the farm. Their kids go to school, and they want to be able to be part of those other things, too, right? So... Well, and that's the reason, though, that the milking robots took off is you rain day, you couldn't be in the field anyway, so you could go to a fish fry, go do something. You can't be in the tractor when it's too wet in the field. The cows don't take days off. Right. You can't never, right. you can never not milk a cow. It's got to, somebody's got to do that. You just stay in, day out. You just turn their tail backwards five turns and yeah, it shuts no. them off for the weekend. What are you talking about? <laughs> I always tell dad, I'll just milk them twice this morning, then we're good. Yep. Yeah, yeah, just run them through twice. Yeah, then we don't have to do it tonight. Just don't feed them, then they won't bag up. It's fine. <laughs> great, great decision making in this room this morning. <laughs> All right, so there you go. There's some of the latest and greatest that may or may not help your operation. Now let's move into our spotlight for today. So three, or uh, sorry, 13, I can read really, states had record corn and soybean yields in 2021. So we had some interesting weather, but it still panned out for a lot of areas. Wisconsin being one of those, we had an increase in 4% for corn yield. And these are state averages, correct? I believe so, yes, off the state average. And a 5.8% increase in the soybean yield here in Wisconsin. Among the other states, we've got Washington, Nebraska, Iowa, Oklahoma, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, New York, Maryland, North Carolina, South Carolina, 
Georgia and Florida all saw some increase. The U.S. average increased 3.3% to 177 bushel. The most increase of any state looks like Pennsylvania. They went up, oh no, sorry, North Carolina went up 31.9%. So that was a pretty big jump. What's crazy to me, I guess I've never looked at this before, is the uh, Oregon and Washington, their state average is 240 and 248. Yep. I didn't know they grew that much good corn out there. I I got to say, it's got to be a few acres, right? A couple guys doing it really well. Well, yeah, I don't think it's, it's as prevalent agriculture as so the few guys that are. It almost but, I, I, but you're right. These numbers in my head just don't even, like Texas is at 128, which I'm sure a lot of it's dry land and something. But Well, that's the thing with, it's, with North, like North and South odd, Carolina. They, those, a state that big, you can't grow corn everywhere. There's right. There's it's just it's, it's a it's the landmass to the average probably that's yeah. No, I I don't know how they got these numbers exactly, but down. they're but they're interesting to see the the changes that like you say of just how much diff, like even Wisconsin like we beat Minnesota in both corn and beans this year, and then you go kind of to the west and you see that drought area, but it didn't affect most of the midwest it was just the dakotas minnesota you know out there that it got real bad i say yeah minnesota had a pretty rough season this year so the dakotas you can really i mean when you look at this map you can really see like they're they were down 16.7 and 24 and a half percent from their average that's uh that's not very too good yeah yeah overall even even the ones that didn't have record highs there were still quite a few states that had increases in their their overall yield. So, yeah, it was a, a good year for a lot of people, but not everybody this year. So now we'll move into the Ag History Minute. We're going to talk to the Wisconsin Corn Checkoff, which was established in 1984. It was a good year. To support market development, research, and educational programs. The program is regulated by the Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade, Con- and Consumer Protection, and or DATCAP, and governed by the Wisconsin Corn Promotion Board. Directors on this board are corn growers elected by fellow growers. The Wisconsin Corn Growers Association is a membership organization. Represents the interest of state corn growers in growth and management of corn grown on farm, feeding, and for commercial sale. The WCGA works with other organizations in areas of mutual concern and brings together corn growers to provide information and educational opportunities at regional conferences and the annual Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo. Wisconsin Corn Growers is a partner with the National Corn Growers Association to represent corn grower interests nationally and internationally. Corn Growers annually recognizes top-yielding corn production from farmers in four districts of the state, in the association's corn yield contest. Entry into the state contest is free, but farmers must be a member of the Wisconsin Corn Growers Association. Only one entry per member will be accepted. So if you're looking to get involved with that, they have the opportunity to try to grow the best yielding corn. Corn Soy Expo is coming up in Wisconsin February 3rd and 4th at the Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells. And um, should be two years worth of good because the 2021 expo was canceled because of COVID. So like a lot of those that didn't have that. 
you know, as these trade shows come back, you, it's your opportunity to learn two times in one. Yeah, we're slowly reemerging into the conference season here. It was more and more still being held in person again this year where they weren't last year. So, Yeah, and if you like to learn, just listen to Tilt Talk Radio. You don't even have to go to a conference. It'll be all right here. So when you're doing chores or out driving tractor or watching your autonomous tractor, you can be listening to Tilt Talk Radio. And all we ask is that you subscribe. So please hit that subscribe button and please tell a farmer friend about the podcast. So they're going to say, well, how do I get a podcast? What is a podcast? You tell them, just search Tilt Talk Radio anywhere, Google, wherever you want. And in your podcast player, so on Apple, you use Apple Podcasts on your iPhone. On Android, we like Podcast Addict, Podbean, or Player FM. And there you search Tilt Talk Radio and you find it. Or on a computer or even in your smartphone browser you can go to tiltegg.com slash podcasts and you can also follow us on facebook and twitter at tilt talk radio all right now we're gonna wrap things up with some cool beans that's corny so cool beans cool beans cool beans cool beans all right our cool beans this week epa extended enlist and enlist duo herbicide registrations for seven more years seven yes lucky seven that's awesome i was really excited when i read this because it's i mean we've been doing all the stuff with extend or it's it's legal illegal legal illegal to get something that we just say you know what this technology we're good just let her ride seven years baby i'm excited about that i mean this is a good good tool in our toolbox and it's going to be nice not to have to worry about it getting taken off the market or anything crazy like that. So Enlist is, again, the 2,4-D tolerant crops, not to be confused with Extend. They both have the E's, which is the dicamba, which has been, like Max said, a source of consternation over the last few years of will we, won't we. I mean, the technology works, but the tendency to drift was the biggest downfall of that one. So Enlist for corn and beans is out there and available, so always make sure you check your labels when you're going to apply your herbicide, but glad to see that we're going to have more opportunities with Enlist. And before this, it was like a five-year registration, so to get a seven-year registration, that's really good. So we got till almost... 2030 practically so 2029 to for this registration of this product so that's really good yeah all right our that's corny this week return of the bird flu so more wild birds in the southeast with avian influenza laboratory tests confirmed two additional cases of highly pathogenic avian influenza in wild birds in the coastal southeast according to usda so we saw some bigger issues back in 2014 and 15, and now it seems to be coming around again as a potential issue here in the U.S. So new bird infections are found in wild birds in Colleton County, South Carolina, and in North Carolina as well, about 400 miles away. Just not super enjoyable thing when this starts to rear its head again you know it's only in wild birds so far there hasn't been any on-farm infections that i read or anything like that but i know how this goes and it starts in wild birds and then there's a one farm and two farms and pretty soon it kind of wipes you know 
can wipe a county in three days. You know, it's kind of unfortunate when it happens. So I guess hide your hands, hide your chicks. Yeah. As, <laughs> as much as this is really unfortunate that we're finding it all, this is a really good reminder to keep working on your, um, your, your, your on-farm safety, right? Your, what do they call it? When you go to the farm and they got the big biosecure, biosecurity, work on your risk biosecurity. Management. So, yeah. So keep an eye on those egg layers and, Hopefully they'll stay healthy. So that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. This week we talked about technology, some of the ins and outs of the latest and greatest. In our spotlight, we looked at new state corn and soybean production records for 13 states across the U.S. Ag History Minute, we talked about Wisconsin corn growers and the Wisconsin corn checkoff. And our Cool Beans was in list, is on the docket for another seven years. That's corny is keep an eye on those chickens for the bird flu. All right. Thanks for listening. And as always, happy farming.